0: Hi and welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Brad Hook and today I'm joined by Rhonda Sciortino, author of Succeed Because of What You've Been Through, which was featured on the Today Show, as well as 14 other books, which I'm looking forward to talking about. Rhonda used survival skills from an abusive childhood to create a personal and professional success story that I'm really excited to share with all of you today. She built two successful businesses, then turned her attention to helping others find their purpose and live authentic success. Rhonda hosts the Find Your Purpose Now podcast, is the founder of Successful Survivors Foundation, and is the national champion of the Love is Action Community initiative. You can find links in the show notes. Welcome, Rhonda. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Brad, it's my pleasure and my honor to be here. I love what you do.
0: Thank you so much. So for our audience, those who haven't met you before, perhaps you could just share a little bit about your story. Uh, What led you to where you are today? Obviously, in in an abridged format.
1: Well, I'm old, so there's a lot. I've been around the sun many times. So uh, I, my mother left me with a neighbor and asked the neighbor to babysit when I was a little girl and, and uh, while well, she went shopping, but she didn't go shopping. Her car was packed and loaded and she moved out of state. She never returned. So I was uh, ultimately raised by an alcoholic, uh, an addicted woman and a mentally ill man. They were my maternal grandparents. Uh, so that was, it was very rough. And um, so poverty, um, lack, neglect, dysfunction, chaos. Gosh, can I think of any other adjectives? It was, it was rough. But a lot of people have had rough childhoods. Um, but I emancipated when I was 16 years old. I became the youngest licensed insurance agent in the state of California when I was 17. I bought my first house when I was 18 or 19 and my first rental when I was 21 and started my business when I was 27, my first business. And uh, so that's sort of, that's that abridged version.
0: Wow. Do you think you've always had this innate motivation? Or ambition or drive to succeed as a result of the traumatic childhood
1: Oh I absolutely, I absolutely do. Um, I think that those of us who survived tough stuff when we were too little and too vulnerable to prevent it uh develop character traits. Uh, that's one of the books that, that I've written is the, the successful survivors, the eight character traits of survivors and how you can attain them. And there are actually more than eight, but but the most common that almost all successful survivors share are in that book. And so it's it's courage, it's perseverance, determination, resilience, resourcefulness, all of those kinds of things that uh just keep us getting up again and trying again and you know sometimes it's uh it's many many times of getting knocked down and getting back up again but that that inner resilience that that just pulls you up you that you have to dig deep for it sometimes but, you, but that pulls you up And propels you forward, though that's really the main character trait and all the other support as well, but that we develop. And then the way that we succeed in life, we take those things that were developed in us as young children and apply those to the workplace. And we become the best employees. In the place, and so you know, who do you want to? If you're looking for a business partner, who do you want? You want somebody who's resilient and resourceful and courageous and willing and determined and hardworking, right? If you want a best friend, you want somebody who has those traits. They're going to be there and they're going to stand by you and they're going to be faithful. And you can call them at two o'clock in the morning when you need help, and and they'll be there for you. These these are the things that we have in us that move us forward. In, into, uh, you know, wherever we're called to go.
0: And not everyone has that story of growth, which I suppose is where your, your evolution happened in terms of helping inspire others because it, everyone has that capacity, but just not everyone knows how to activate it.
1: That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it in terms of activating it I think that a lot of people feel broken and they feel victimized and they stay broken and they stay a victim Um, because nobody has come along and said, you know, you're not too broken to be fixed. You have skills, you have talents, you have abilities that you acquired and developed and honed as you went through The hard time. So it's a matter of what I call mining the nuggets of gold Mm. out of what we've been through. A lot of people say, you've probably heard it said, don't waste your pain. I heard that when I was younger. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to not waste my pain. But when I realized that actually, uh, if if I had been adopted by the people who came and interviewed me and decided not to adopt me, if I had, if my mother had come back and taken me into her, what I found out was a very abusive relationship. And I look at any of these other things and I think, who would I be then? I am who I am, not despite what I went through, but specifically because of what I went through. And that's true for all of us. We are products of our experiences, our upbringing, our culture, the environment, right? All of that. But I think it just takes one person, Brad, who sees the good in you, maybe before you see it in yourself, who sees potential in you before you recognize it yourself, who, who just, says, you know, I believe in you. I think you're awesome. I think you can do good things. For me, it was, there was one person, actually a client who became a friend, who um, I was working in an insurance agency and I wanted to insure homes and services for abused kids because it was the intersection of where my passion and my expertise connected. I knew insurance. I started in insurance when I was 15 years old and I knew about child abuse and I knew how horrible it was. And um, I would go and write the insurance for the Home for Abused Children and the people who employed me at the insurance agency where I worked would call me in and say, we don't wanna be writing these nonprofit organizations. They don't pay their bills. Why are you doing this? We've talked to you before. And so <laughs> I, I went, I was talking to this friend who was the CEO of a, a child welfare organization and had become a friend, and mentor, and he became really like a a father figure for me. And he just sort of off the top of his head said, oh, why don't you open your your own insurance agency? And I went, oh, like it never occurred to me, right? And I thought, yeah, why don't I? Gosh, I can't think of a reason other than the long, long list of all the things I didn't know how to do. (laughs) turns out I've never known how to do any of the things I've done. Uh, But when you come from really hard times and you survive, uh, you know, there's something in you that goes, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like, nobody's going to beat me up. Uh, You know, the things that happened to me when I was a kid that were so incredibly painful, nobody did that in the business world you know like the worst thing was um hanging up the phone in my ear when i was telemarketing when i was 15 years old i thought don't worry you know you can't hurt me that's nothing yes. so that's probably more of an answer than you were oh, looking
0: for no, 100% and in my own limited experience in the world i've certainly seen that many of the most successful resilient people have endured whether it's trauma hardship as kids, you know, they don't sweat the small stuff as much as perhaps some of uh, the others, but sometimes do struggle with patterns of behavior that, you know, are a result of things that happened when they were really young. And that's that's a lifelong journey to unwind, I suppose.
1: Indeed. Indeed. One of the things I talk about in my uh, my first book was from Foster Care to Millionaire is about how we, we, sometimes we get things, uh, our wires crossed or tangled in our brains. I like to say we, sometimes we heal crooked, meaning, you know, if you break a bone, you go to the doctor and you have the bone set properly, Mm -hmm. and then it heals properly. If you break a bone and you don't have it set properly, it can heal crooked. You know, and you walk around for the rest of your life with your arm bent in yeah. a certain fashion and you can't straighten it out. Well, so for those of us who have gone through some, some hard things and we either didn't get the therapy or we didn't have that mentor who saw something good in us or whatever, you know, we didn't sort of sort it all out and come to a place of acceptance and forgiveness and moving on and mining the lessons out of all of it and not wasting our pain. And then using those character traits and learned abilities and coping survival skills um, to create our successful lives. If we didn't do that, we heal crooked and walk around with that tangled wiring or chip on her shoulder victim mentality and the sad thing about that is brad at least to me ironic and sad is that we know statistically people who have been victimized are far more likely to become victims again Mm -hmm. they're far more likely to um, be a victim of a violent crime, to be in a toxic, abusive relationship, to be, uh, to medicate their pain with uh, substances. I mean, I could just go on and on to be trafficked. It's it's so sad. So when we decide that we're going to dig deep and we're gonna find our resilience, it changes the trajectory of our lives. And that's why I said, I started with saying, yeah, I love what you do, I mean it, because helping people to find their resilience, however, whatever they have, if they have the seed of it, and just hang on to that, and be inspired by other people who have done it, who have gone before them, and they're, if they're willing to just get up every day and try to do at least one good thing to move themselves forward, um, it changes everything.
0: Mm, absolutely. That's a, that's a powerful message. I think what we do is we, we encourage people who engage with us, you know, focus on your strengths because we use a tool called the resilience diagnostic that allows people to find out what their strengths and risks are you know really focus on your strengths and keep them that's that's your foundation and now start to look at those other areas the risks and see what you can do in tiny little steps to keep moving forward i think that's the key because life changes we change our environment changes i think staying flexible is a is a really important part of it as well and i'm sure that you've noticed in your in the writing of your books the message starts to shift as you gain more knowledge and experience as well
1: oh absolutely i mean that's why i've written 15 books yeah. because you know uh, the the farther along that you go and the more that you learn uh, I, I think, okay, well, oh, I have to share that. I have to share that. Because one of the things that I've noticed that successful survivors of childhood trauma do, and and probably all kinds of trauma too, but uh, resilient people, um, as they move ahead, as they progress, they tend to want to turn back and help people who are on the path between yes. them where they used to be. So... That's that's where all these books have come from. I think, oh, I have to share this. Oh, I just learned it. It's so good. It's so juicy. I have to I have to share this. Mm. So
0: and that's where purpose and fulfillment really come in, because in our research, they are two of the most important factors supporting High resilience in individuals. And I guess as we progress on our journeys, we have to seek out what gives us that sense of purpose and what gives fulfillment. And often it's giving back, it's helping others on their own journeys.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I love that. I always say that the antidote for sadness and depression, suicidal ideation, all those things, the antidote is purpose and meaning and connection. Yeah. Those three things are so incredibly important. And that's really why I wrote the the most recent book, 30 days to love is because the, the undercurrent of all of it, Brad is that love really does heal. It's, I think the only thing that truly does heal our hearts and our souls will inherent with love is that connection. Yes. Part of love I mean it just goes hand in hand you start with uh loving yourself and loving others and sharing that love and it just heals it's I always say love splashes back up on the people who share it and it's it's it makes everybody involved feel better so there's that connection and as we as we move further uh into the process of 30 days, I tried to make it so it's, you know, it's bite-sized. It's a small thing every day, an inspiration, a meditation, an action, uh, a quote from someone that supports the idea. And as we move along somewhere in those 30 days, Brad, we begin to discover the beauty of our own souls and our own purpose and find meaning in our life. And that is so healing. Because, you know, for somebody who's sad and depressed, and, and they don't know their way in the world, they don't know how important they are. They don't know that they're awesome. They don't know their unique combination of personality and character traits and intelligences. Yes, I meant plural intelligences. Uh, and And all the other pieces that make each of us unique when they when you start sharing love, you begin to discover all that, mm-hmm. and it 's a beautiful thing, and from there you know you 've built a foundation, and you can move forward and really lean in. I like to say, uh, give yourself with reckless abandon to your purpose, and it 's a beautiful thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe we could talk a little bit about love as a concept. From your perspective, how do you define love? And is it something that can be learned and practiced?
1: Ah, what a great question. Thank you. Well, defining love is quite the challenge in the English language. In the Greek, there are seven different words for love. But in American English, we say we love ice cream and we love our car and we love baseball and we love our spouse and we love our children and, you know, we love our whatever. And so it's a challenge because we've, we've watered down the concept so much that I'm not sure that we, at least in this country, have a, a, a good fundamental understanding of really what love is. True love is not conditioned on behavior. And that's a hard one, right? Because as soon as people do the things that we don't want them to do, that are deal breakers, the spouse who's cheating, the the person who's uh, fallen off the wagon for the seventh time or whatever it is, We withdraw our love. True love is not conditioned on behaviors. Mm -hmm. True love is patient, merciful, kind, gentle. Uh, It's it's enduring. Mm -hmm. Doesn't throw in the towel. You know, um, but even you see, even now, and I have a fairly robust vocabulary, even now I struggle to find all the words to really, um, accurately contain this concept Mm. because it's enormous. Now I'm, I'm a person of faith. I'm a Christian. So I look at the Bible and there's a, I couldn't tell you the scripture if my soul depended on it, but somewhere in the Bible, I think it's in the book of John or first John or one of those, but that says that God is love. So I think, ah, okay, well, that just complicates the issue, doesn't it? Because God is a concept that is uh, bigger than I can figure out and hold. So the idea though of God being love And love being a reflection of God, I think, okay, so it's certainly something to spend the rest of my life striving to understand.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And I think we all have moments of it. We've all experienced moments of it. And maybe the purest kind of love is that with a child to some degree, because it's with a spouse, as you said, you could take that love away if they do something uh, or you know don't meet your needs. So can we practice love? and I think that's the theme of the book. So give us some tips. How can someone um, actually start to build love into their life as a practice?
1: Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. So what I did is I actually broke it down to 30 days of really specific actions. So for example, some of them are acts of service. Yes. An act of of service for someone. Cheering someone up is one day. And and again, when when I'm saying these things, I'm thinking, okay, but not just people who deserve it, not people who can reciprocate, not people who can do something wonderful for us, right? Uh, Or do something to us. This is, um, in fact, I always say you get extra credit. If you can love somebody who's really difficult to love, really challenging, irritable, grouchy, mean, or think of the people who have Alzheimer's or some, you know, some form of dementia uh, where they really can't even, uh, not only can they not reciprocate, maybe they can't even really fully receive it. But when we can try to cheer that person up, do an act of service for that person. Wow. It's amazing. Showing compassion, listening, listening is a big one. It's huge and I can tell from listening to your podcast you're an excellent listener Brad Thank but you know most people are not right mm-hmm. I mean our attention spans nowadays I think because of social media and 24/7 news cycle and all, whatever I'm you know I'm not some uh neurologist I don't really know all that stuff but our brains have been rewired it's really difficult to have a conversation with almost anybody except you uh with our our person interrupting and and i and i do it i'm trying to train myself not to do it but that's one of the chapters one of the days to really listen to other people Mm -hmm. and and go beyond just listening to the words but to really hear People and and have, have that person leave that interaction, knowing that they've really been seen and really been heard, without judgment, without feeling obligated to fix it, without offering advice, just listening, being a friend, just being a friend, offering to to help somebody out. You're going to the store. Hey, can I pick up something for you? Nine times out of ten, the answer is going to be no. But at least you offered, mm. right? And we never know when being a friend to someone is really that 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 offers coming at a really pivotal time. We don't know what other people are going through. We don't know really what their struggles are. Most people don't share those things and reveal those things. So um, offering advice or correction in a loving way once we have relationship right it's it's huge it can make all the difference in the life of another person when we share something that we really truly know and we know that we know yeah right nurturing others kindness Encouragement, compliments—I could go on and on. That's probably more than you uh,
0: want. It. No, that's it's, exactly
1: none of it is market science. Look, I interrupted you. Sorry. It's,
0: no, not at all. I, I think that those are, you know, essential tips, and they bring the concept of love to life, because you don't have to, as you said, most people associate love with romantic love, especially when you first meet someone and the honeymoon phase, and it's wonderful uh and i think in the age of social media as you said people are seeking those moments yeah you know, the i'm loving my life i'm on a yacht or uh, look at me i'm standing next to a ferrari or you know the the the, the picture of the feet next to the infinity pool that, that that we see you know and and we associate those types of experiences with loving life whereas in reality what love really is is it's a practice and it comes from compassion, as you said, and it comes from giving. And ultimately that is what will build your resilience and, and happiness as a person is in that and, and fulfillment is in the art of actually giving. I think that's such a missing piece that people, it's a message that people really will benefit from when they read your book. Uh, what do you think about young people? Do you think that? they are in your in the work that you do what are some of the challenges that you see young people facing is it all down to social media
1: oh i think that's a complicated question and i'm it's above my pay grade mm. to know i i do think that in our culture and maybe because of the social media uh, maybe that just exacerbates it but but i think the idea of our culture encouraging young people to try to be something that they're not, to try to follow this trend. This influencer says, oh, this, you know, do this and you'll be happy. Or, um, wear these shoes and you'll be, you know, whatever, you'll be cool if you carry this kind of handbag or if you, um, you know, you're a loser, if you don't have uh, the infinity pool with the sand and, you know, whatever. And I think, oh, what a, what a sad thing, because we don't have to change anything we're already awesome. One of the books I wrote, How to Get to Awesome: 101 Ways to Find Your Best Self, because when when we're willing to say I think there is good in me. There's something good about me. My personality, my character traits, my abilities, the things that I just know how to do, my talents, the things that I didn't learn in a classroom. Uh, but learned maybe along the way in my life experiences and and for those of us who came from rough childhoods, just to give an example, would be like uh the ability to read micro expressions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We learned if we anybody who came up in a dysfunctional household can walk into a room and interact with someone very briefly and know whether or not they would trust that person? Maybe they shouldn't trust that person. We can walk in and we can read the room very promptly. We can uh, help lawyers with jury selection. We can read body language. It's just spectacular. Some of the things that that, uh, but all of us, all of us have those kinds of experiences where um, we devalue. The things that we do easily, the things that we just know, somehow know how to do. We didn't go to school to learn how to do that. We just do this. So consequently, we think everybody knows how to do that. And this is no big deal. But guess what? Your no big deal is a very big deal to someone who needs that to someone who doesn't have that. When we start to really look at ourselves, take an inventory of all of our assets, and I don't mean money and cars and shoes and handbags and houses and all that. I'm talking about our internal assets. I I just would challenge somebody that when you start to do that, and you really begin to see how amazing you are, that I think you'll find that you don't have to go with the trends and you don't have to try to be like somebody else and you don't have to, um, you just have to improve who you are. Just be the best that you can be. I like to say, I'm awesome. I also know I'm flawed. I have a lot of flaws. So I call myself Flossom. So I love that. That
0: is so cool.
1: and I think it's okay to be Flossom. I'm just going to be me. I'll stay in my lane. You be you. You stay in your lane. And the beauty of that, Brad, is that I can celebrate your successes. Yes. I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to be envious. I don't have to try to be like you. And you don't have to be like me. You can be happy for me. We can just let everybody be who they are. And
0: I love that. That's a that's a message that people need in, in this time of polarization and group think. And I'm part of this tribe, and you're bad because of this, and I'm better. And I mean, that's just craziness. And that's where I think uh, the. The concept of everyone just activating and living with a bit more love and compassion and kindness and be you and accepting each other's differences that's something we should celebrate rather than you know try and change people because you're never going to change people
1: (laughs) well that's right that's right and you know the amazing thing is i think we can learn from each other Mm. in fact i think some of the most profound lessons that I've ever learned, were from people who were not like me. Mm -hmm. Yes, the people who abused me, for example. And I think one of the hallmarks of really being healed is when you can say thank you. I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't have done the things that I've been able to do, the good things in the world I've been able to do if I hadn't been abused when I was a kid, I would not have the empathy I have. I probably wouldn't have the level of resilience that I have because it wouldn't have been teased out of me. It wouldn't have been forced out of me. I wouldn't have had to be resilient if I had what I call a cake and ice cream life. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful of those people. So when we can really learn from people, not just, you know, the, the great lessons of wisdom from good people, but also how not to be, how not to behave, how we don't want to treat other people. We can learn those things too. So there's value in every situation. So instead of trying to, you talked about polarization One of the things I try to say to young people is, okay, instead of trying to persuade someone to, I don't know, vote the way you vote or feel the way you feel or support what you support, whatever it is, how about if we try to understand try to just really learn. Okay. Why do you vote that way? Why do you feel that way? Why do you, but not in an attacking way, like, please help me understand, help me understand. I want to understand. I just want to learn. It doesn't mean that we're now giving that person uh, permission to try to persuade us or strong arm us into something. It's just, it's the ability to have a conversation without anger without vitriol. And one example, I'll just give you one quick example. So I'm a, I'm a pro-life person and really probably, uh, I mean, yes, it's my faith and everything, but I'm grateful to my mother for giving birth. She could have just as easily had an abortion but she gave me my life that's all i really needed you know i feel like i got the best dna from her and her people and the best dna from my biological father whoever and wherever he is and his people and uh and then i i ran with it right so i don't have to be angry about all that so i'm a pro life person i have a friend of gosh more than 35 years who's a, a pro choice person And we're both Christians. And so one day, I don't know, we already been friends for 25 years or whatever. And we're sitting there, you know, yakking late at night or whatever. I think we were at a conference or something. And we're just kind of chilling afterwards and at a child welfare thing. And I said, okay, okay. I have a question for you. I don't want to argue with you. I love you. Can we just, can you help me understand how you're you're a foster mom. You're an adoptive mom. You're a child advocate to the it, every fab, uh, fabric of your being. Um, how are you pro-choice? I just don't get it. And she laughed. She didn't get angry. I thought, oh, I wish I had a camera filming this as yeah. I'm telling you this story because it, it's so powerful. She said, oh, <laughs> Let's talk about that instead of getting angry and offended. Yes. So point number one, and she said, okay, here's how I came to my feeling of uh, being pro-choice. She said, God gave each of us our free will, right? Do we, you know what I'm talking like? You agreed? Do you understand? I said, yes, I I understand. That's in the Bible. God gave us our free will. She says, I do too. I said, so you give people their free will to go have an abortion if that's what they think they need to do. She says, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I don't tell anybody what they should do. Unless they specifically ask me, then I'm going to give them, if I have a relationship with them and they want my advice, fine. But otherwise, we're all free to do whatever we want. We're free to make mistakes. We're free to choose to do the right things. We're free. Mm. And I thought, okay. And I noodled on that for a long time. I'm still pro-life. And I will always be pro-life. Cause I, my mother gave me a chance and I just think, gosh, you know, okay, we can, we can do that. We, we can somehow do that, but I understand now Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't judge and get angry about who believes differently than I do. And I wish that, I wish that more of us could have conversations like that and conversations like you and I are having now
0: yeah absolutely yeah that ability just to listen as you said and and try to understand i i've often imagined getting people from extreme opposites into a room to have a conversation about what they share in common and you will find so much and there will be laughter as long as people are not defensive they feel secure and they're willing to just listen uh is that not something we could all learn to do. And and wouldn't it be a relief? It, it can't be nice being angry all of the time about specific things.
1: Well, I think that being angry and um, all that goes along with that mean-spirited and, and uh, the angst,
0: mm.
1: I think that diminishes our resilience it does and we need our resilience it's a hard world no matter you know how much money you have no matter um how much comfort in your life you have it's still a hard world you know um billionaires still get cancer yeah wealthy people still get cold in the winter and hot in the summer i mean things happen no matter right we all need our resilience and anger diminishes it jealousy diminishes it every negative emotion i you know i could go down the list every negative emotion diminishes that resilience that we desperately need to live our best lives to feel peace and joy And to have love in our lives so it's it's just uh you know carrying around negative emotions and all of that it's i'll say it's a luxury i can't afford i'm not going to do it
0: yeah it's like the old saying uh anger or 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 hatred is the poison you create for someone else and then drink yourself it's it, it doesn't do any good it's not going to help you on your journey I suppose it could be slightly adaptive in certain situations. Someone's threatening me, so I need to respond or react. And it can help, but for a short moment or two. Holding on to it beyond that is not going to help you. Exactly. Mm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on purpose, because I know you're an expert in this area. And a lot of people think, you know, purpose is grandiose. How can I ever identify my purpose? Uh, Any tips for someone who's sitting there going, you know, I really would like to shift my trajectory and uh, live a life that is more on purpose?
1: Oh, yes. I'm so glad you asked me. I love to talk about purpose because when we find our purpose, we live with joy. Purpose is accompanied by healthy relationships, peace, joy, a sense of wellness and contentedness that you just simply cannot get any other way and with the financial provision to do what you were created to do. So the way to find purpose, um, I mean, I have a whole podcast on it. We have lots and lots of tools and resources at uh, findyourpurposenow.org, but kind of the, the, the condensed answer would be, the intersection at which your passion and your expertise, your character, your personality, your intelligences, your learned abilities, uh, your life experiences, where all of that comes together, that's your purpose. And somebody out there needs it. Every day, that we are not living inside of our purpose. And the clue to that is we're unhappy, we're miserable, we're grouchy, we're sick, uh, we're sad. But every day that we're not living our purpose, there's someone or many someones who, who, whose needs are not being met, that we are perfectly equipped and qualified to meet. I would say really think about those things that you're passionate about and the things that grieve your heart because passion it's, when I say passion, I think people automatically go, well, uh, Oh, I, you know, I'm so passionate about playing the piano or I'm passionate about this or that. Sometimes you flip the coin and say, What am I really grieved about? That's also passion. So for me, it was child abuse. I have friends who are active on the front lines of the fight against human trafficking, specifically child sex trafficking. I have friends who are passionate about elder care, passionate about caring for people in hospice who are in their last days. Whatever You're passionate about that's a really good sign that your purpose is somehow, some way connected to that.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that idea. And also of thinking about all of those people who are missing out because you're not living on purpose. That gives it a sense of urgency.
1: Uh, It is. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We get, every one of us gets 1,440 minutes every single day. They're not redeemable. We can't get them back once they're gone. So when it when I hear the term, uh, gee, I just need to kill some time before I'm like, kill time. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> or I'm bored.
1: Oh, or I'm bored, right? The, oh, yeah. I'm bored, right? <laughs> oh no. Because no, there's when you're living in your purpose, mm-hmm. you're Okay, it's the thing that makes you lose track of time. Like when I'm in my purpose, when I'm writing a book, for example, uh, my husband kind of, you know, he kind of rolls his eyes because we'll be doing something. We'll be at the dinner table. I'll literally jump up, run to the office, and I'm typing, and I look up at the clock, and four and a half hours have gone by. Yes, You forget to eat. You, you lose all track of time when you're so engaged in in what you're meant to do it just it just it just comes
0: that's it that's flow state right that is our peak experience so don't waste your minutes feeling bored or anxious or worried or angry go and find those things that get you into that state exactly exactly wonderful
1: so i love Podcasts like this, Brad, because, you know, as opposed to somebody sitting and scrolling through social media and the next thing you know, you know, two hours have gone by, I think about how, okay, in two hours, I can speed up a podcast at 1.2, 1.3, not too fast, but can take in, in two hours, I might be able to listen to four really substantive podcasts. Yes. I can do an online, I can do, um I love these micro learning online courses. I just recently published one. My, my first one that I've done like that, the micro learning, self-paced online, it's write your book in days okay. as opposed to weeks, months, years, yes. right? Yes, yes. So, there are all these courses, and a lot of them are free. So, in that same two hours, you can really make some headway with an online course. You might even be able to finish one. You can consume great podcasts that are substantive and life changing, like yours, Brad. Or you can sit there and scroll through social media and just kind of get brain dead and and lose 120 precious priceless minutes that you can never
0: get back that is a powerful message thank you so much Rhonda it has been an absolute pleasure uh if anyone is interested right now jump on to rhonda.org r-h-o-n-d-a.org and you'll find all of the links in the show notes do check out the latest book I think it's um, one of the solutions to the complex challenges that we have today.
1: Thank you so much, Brad. This has been such a pleasure.
0: So much fun. Thank you, Rhonda. And thank you, everyone who tuned in. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you on the next Resilience podcast.